This is Samia Bano with Make Change Fun and Easy, podcast to help you create massive positive change in your life and the world. Hello, salam, shalom, namaste, satyakal, aloha, hola, ciao, and bonjour. Mm-hmm. Guess what, everyone? We have Lillian Shring back with us. She's a creative coach and intuitive healer. And last time we had such a fabulous conversation about how to bring out your creativity and how being more creative can actually help you make change more fun and easy. And I'm so excited to have you back, Lillian. Yay. Thank you so much for having me back. It's a real honor. Yes, I'm so, so pleased because, you know, last time we were starting to dig deeper into the benefits of the creative process and all the different ways it can help us. But of course, we ran out of time. Mm -hmm. And one of the really important things I wanted to talk to you about was the more uh, uh, therapeutic benefits and applications of the creative process, because I know that is something you're very passionate about and you're so good at so please Mm -hmm. tell us more yeah absolutely um yeah it's really interesting when I talk to people about this like as uh I guess so my title is a, a holistic integrated creative arts therapist and when I when I ask people what they think that is and how they think it would benefit them often there's a kind of um just a misunderstanding or a misinterpretation of like the the profundity and the level like the depth of how this type of practice can help people because often they think it's just like oh you know it's a fun kind of creative modality that will help people to feel better you know but actually there's some really interesting research and it's in the same vein as the research surrounding meditation and mind-body medicine, where when we're in creative flow, our brain waves are actually altered and it is we're accessing these meditative states. And what that does to our physiology and to our mental health is incredible. When we can deactivate the fight or flight response or the stress response in our body and activate the parasympathetic nervous system and go into a state of relaxation and calm, there are a whole host of mental and physiological benefits that occur. Like our blood pressure is lowered, our breathing rate slows, our immune function is improved, our digestion is improved. And people aren't aware of that. And it's amazing. Like people, you know, people are aware that I mean, especially if they're in this line of work, um, there is a kind of awareness that, you know, when you when you deactivate the sympathetic nervous system and you go into a parasympathetic mode, that it's really beneficial. But people don't really realise that you can access that through creativity and through creative processes. And that's amazing. When, we, when you can have those types of conversations with people, their eyes just kind of light up. They're like, whoa, like I can really have those kinds of profound healing transformational experiences through doing fun stuff like art and creativity and dance and clay work and yeah. (laughs) That is so amazing. And you know what you were saying about the creative process allowing you to sort of become more calm and just have this more um, 
this effect on all these different systems of your body where you're more relaxed and so forth and and that is similar to like the meditative process for example it just made me think about how when i was learning about energy healing work one of the most important lessons that we learn as energy healers is how necessary it is for people to be relaxed in a relaxed state in order to actually receive the healing and for it to have mm-hmm. an impact and an effect um, mm-hmm. on them because if you are holding any kind of tension in your body or stress in your mind um, it's sort of like you know you're holding on to um like something that you really need to let go of actually because yeah, it's absolutely. in that letting go that you allow the healing to occur and exactly. so, it's like a it's space yes and so it's not even possible according to the energy healing paradigm it's not even possible for you to heal <laughs> like really yeah, yeah, proper exactly. healing if you're yeah. not relaxed and your body yeah, is not exactly. relaxed so yeah. however so you can do that yeah and there's actually like a there's a physiological reason why that can't occur because when your body is activated in stress response what that means is your all the cells in your body are primed to either fight or flight or feet or flee sorry mm-hmm. and and so your your all of the oxygen and um, the focus of your energies goes away from these processes that help you to heal and gets like primed to fight something or flee some from something so your body literally the cells can't repair themselves when they're activated in that mode so you have to be disengaged from the sympathetic nervous system in order for your cells to then repair and recover themselves and regenerate so it's it's super fascinating that um and you know i've just sort of listed a few of the benefits right there but there's a, an enormous list a whole host of uh, of things that the way that your body is affected physiologically yes. um and and they call it the rest and digest function mm-hmm. uh, i don't know if you've heard that terminology so when your parasympathetic nervous system is engaged they call it the rest and digest which means your body can heal and if you're not in that activated with the parasympathetic nervous system your body body literally can't heal itself your cells can't regenerate oh my gosh now i'm thinking about another context in which i have been learning about healing and that's when you are doing health fasting um mm-hmm. and according to the health fasting literature that i'm now starting to remember they are also very insistent on the fact that if you're going to be fasting for health purposes to improve your health you can't be going full speed in terms of your work day and your usual normal activities you have to take time off when you are engaging in the health fast and relax uh, and just rest your body because just like you were saying if you're in the work go 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 mode then that's where your body is putting in all the resources and the energy it has and it cannot uh, redirect and devote 
the energy and the resources it has to helping you heal and so yeah, exactly. oh my gosh it's like there's a reason why when we get sick like when we have a viral infection or a bacterial infection our body tells us to lie down <laughs> there's yeah. a reason for that <laughs> yeah yeah and animals naturally when they're feeling sick they will stop being active they oftentimes they'll even stop eating and drinking because their bodies are guiding them to to rest and take a break yeah. and so that yeah, exactly. you know, their bodies can redirect all the energy to healing yeah exactly and i guess like the applications of that in the real world in terms of like how that integrates with working with our mental health for example the applications in the mental health arena working with anxiety depression ptsd it's it's incredible the profound transformation that can occur when we allow ourselves to slow down and to access these deeper states of rest and meditation and through creativity that we can also access you know um emotional expression we can access types of non-verbal communication which is like reconnects us to these primal states of our psyche and our subconscious which can really help us to heal like a lot of um ailments particularly mental in the mental health arena but also looking at as a complementary um medicine practice to traditional medicines we if you're using something like holistic integrated creative arts therapy or arts therapy alongside these practices or for example meditation it's just going to help you to heal so much quicker yeah you know yeah for sure no uh you made another really excellent point because as i've shared with you i'm a trauma survivor and uh the, the specific trauma that i experienced was child sexual abuse and i know it's true it was true in my case and i know it's also true in the case of many other survivors especially child uh, survivors who are traumatized when they're still children that oftentimes one of the big obstacles they face that we face in our healing process is that we're not able to verbalize what we're experiencing we can't find the words we may not even have the concepts required to be able to verbalize what we're feeling and what we're needing and wanting and so in in such cases it's absolutely necessary to be able to access some other modality that will allow us to express what we're yeah. feeling needing and wanting and that's exactly. just one more way in which creative um, art therapy um, can can play a huge role yeah exactly and i think there's um, two components to that as well is one is in the process of doing it which is extremely cathartic for people who have experienced trauma just going through the process of even um with or without prompts you know sometimes being prompted is um can be very helpful as well but with or without prompts just the process of um putting into a physical or visual form what's going on inside and what's going on internally is extremely powerful in and of itself 
But then also as an analytical tool, like if you're, if you're looking at psychoanalytics, for example, when you're exploring and engaging with the outcome of the work. So for example, maybe someone painted a picture and that's the outcome of the work, right? You can then use that as a conversation starter. Like, and that, that nonverbal communication that was created through the process can aid in the verbal communication. So you can you can then start to have a conversation. You can say, why did you put this here? Or why did you use that color? Or what does this mean for you? And how do you feel about that? And so it's process-based and outcome-based, which is like really powerful for both um, the, the client and the practitioner, the, therapy, the therapist or the practitioner. Yes, that is an excellent point. Yeah. That is an excellent point because, yeah, because so much of the healing process, um, like you can't, you can't manage it on your own. Um, if you don't have the skills and the knowledge of, of how to heal yourself, how to heal trauma, then it's almost impossible to, to manage all this on your own. So you have to, mm-hmm. it's such an excellent point that with this kind of modality, not only can it be immensely healing and cathartic, as you said, while you're in the process, but it's also a great communication tool for whoever is mm. able to help and support you in that process. Absolutely. And I think also one thing that just came up for me when you were um, speaking about that is also, I think it's also really important to remember that healing is not the result it's a process as well yes. you know yes. like some people and in my experience as well I've experienced sexual abuse as well you know later on in life but also it's something that's going to be always in my memory and always in as part of my story and part of my experience and I don't think I'll ever be able to fully heal from that in a way I mean like I feel like I've come to a point of integration of that where that's now part of my story and I have a a real sense of ownership of that and I'm not a victim which is really powerful and I think creative therapeutic processes have been so powerful for me in integrating that into my psyche and into my story but it's a continual process yeah it's like people who are suffering from grief and loss the, the point is not to forget. The point is not to completely rid that of your life. The yeah. point is to be able to understand and to integrate what that, what that experience means to you mm-hmm. and how you've come through that out the other side and what you've learned from that, you know? And I think that's a really powerful message or part of the conversation is that it's a continuous journey. It's a continuous process of healing. Yeah. It's like a day by day practice, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not only is it a continuous process that can be ongoing for decades, maybe your entire life, but the part about forgetting. <laughs> I One of my pet peeves, honestly, uh, has been like when, when people talk about, oh, just forget it and or when they have seem to have this expectation that in order for you to be able to heal uh, you have to be able to forget it or if you uh, in in order to 
um they i was just uh watching this indian drama i won't get into the details of it but this was exactly part of the storyline where um we have this character of this girl who has experienced various traumas and so forth and basically she's being told will you ever be able to forget what has happened to you and if you can't forget then how can we trust that when you get into this new relationship uh with uh, uh that that you won't bring that trauma in with you and it won't adversely affect this new relationship that you want to create and and they were like you know you can never forget what you have been through is just so traumatic you have been living with it for so long you cannot forget so you better mm-hmm. forget about this relationship Mm-hmm. uh and i was like no yeah no. what an yeah. unrealistic expectation and yeah. what a misunderstanding of of trauma healing totally totally and you know something that just came up for me as well just then is i don't want to forget my trauma because the the learning that occurred for me in that experience meant that i became a new person yeah. and it's kind of it's difficult for for people to grasp this concept when they've not experienced something like this or they haven't gone through this type of process where they've learned to heal and forgive and integrate their trauma but in a way in a weird way i'm kind of grateful for my trauma yeah. because of the learning yeah. and it's difficult for people to comprehend that you know because it seems like oh my gosh this horrible awful thing happened to me why would i be grateful for that but actually now i am i will never ever allow myself to put myself in a position like that where that can occur to me so in a way having that experience was so profound that if i ever forgot that i would probably experience that again yeah. you know because i was kind of naive yeah. and so i don't ever want to forget because i learned a powerful lesson do you know what i mean and so once you come to that point of integration or resolution of an experience like that you can powerfully say and step into yes that's part of my story yes it was can i swear in on this channel like Go for it. yes it was, yes it was fucked up but I will never ever experience that again because now I know how to how to navigate that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you and mean. And that's so powerful for for anyone who is a victim of abuse or trauma, anyone who is a victim, if if you can bring in some kind of sense of ownership of that's part of your story and to really find out what's the key learning or what's the learning or how you how you can transform that fucked up experience into something now like a silver lining in a way that's like that's really powerful for victims of trauma and abuse it is and actually that's the key that allows us to transform from victims to survivors and actually even from survivors to thrivers and you know experiencing what's called this post traumatic growth you know where you are able to actually go beyond even the point of recovery to becoming even stronger and better off than you were prior yeah. to your experience of trauma yeah, exactly and, that all 
happens because it's not in spite of or despite yeah. the trauma it's because yeah. of the trauma that you're able to exactly. experience that growth and exactly yeah. yeah it's like now through my work i can educate other women on how to avoid that you know and if i had have never had that experience yeah. maybe i wouldn't be empowering so many other women and people in my community you know so yeah you know it sucks that people have to go through that or it sucks that I had to go through that but now I can be the change you know I can be changed that I, like it stops with me you know what I mean because I'm no longer going to let that happen to me and the people that I love and the people that I work with you know so yeah yeah and you know the other aspect of the learning is that For example, now I'm thinking about survivors of domestic violence. I worked for four years as a crisis counselor on a domestic violence hotline. And one of the things that I learned that sort of different in the experience of domestic violence survivors versus a lot of sexual assault survivors is that for a lot of sexual assault survivors, um, the trauma that they experience is maybe a one-time event in the case of child sexual abuse it, it can be more of an ongoing process but it's still well i won't start generalizing but uh, for most sexual assault survivors thank god it's like a one-time trauma but yeah. with domestic violence survivors or if you're a survivor of emotional abuse or other kind of abuse that's like ongoing over a period of time then you know you develop a much more complex and layered trauma and 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 you know it's notoriously difficult to break Mm -hmm. free of an abusive relationship and one of the big reasons why it's so difficult to break free it's because of this learning process where you know actually at least in america the research that i have seen uh it shows that a survivor who will make between five to seven attempts to leave the abusive relationship mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. they're able to actually successfully leave mm-hmm. yeah I've heard because that's there's so much there's such a huge learning curve in mm-hmm. terms of figuring out like what in the world is actually wrong and how to address it and change it that it takes all that time and all that effort of trying to leave again and again and again and again before you're able to be successful so but once you learn it like you said Lillian then you know that lesson for life and then you can and then it's just something that you can deal with so then you don't have to get stuck in that again Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I guess that's one of the beautiful things about creative arts therapy is that it's process-based and you yeah. can come back and you can revisit things. Yeah. And so perhaps through the process, one day that'll activate a conversation and a learning and an insight surrounding one aspect. And then the next day, a whole host of new insights may be revealed through for you. And even through different processes, like maybe dance may reveal something somatic within your body 
like a, a, an area of pain and, and how that relates to your, your mind-body connection or your psychosomatic experience. But then maybe doing something like clay work might reveal something from your childhood that is perhaps an indicator of something, you know? So there's, there's a reason why creative therapy is so powerful is because it's process-based and there's so many different aspects and layers to it that can allow you to uncover all of these different layers within your own psyche. Um, True. Yeah. That's so true. And the fact is that the vast majority of people, when you actually do a survey, most people, their best learning methodology is by actually doing. It's not by listening. It's not visual. It's not... Um, uh, it, it's it's the I can never pronounce the word kinesthetic. Uh, it's yes. like learn yeah. by doing, you know. And so again, creative arts provide so many options uh, and yeah. an amazing opportunity to to learn through doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess yeah, like we could talk about the benefits and the applications for for so long because it's it's case by case as well it's like uh it's not one size fits all type of solution it's not like um painting a picture is a solution for everyone you know and i think that's a really important part of the message is that it's like it's about so much so much of the process of being a creative arts therapist is also about being a counselor in listening to what the person's needs are you know like if you think that if you come in as a therapist and think that you know um just painting a picture is going to solve everyone's solutions and they're going to heal and be transformed then you're not a real therapist mm. you know um so i think it's a really humbling experience when you can sit in the role of a counselor and really just like listen actively to what the person's story is and to listen to what their needs are. And then you can then go away and craft your solutions of how you think you may best approach this person's particular case. Yes. And it's literally case by case because every single person's story is unique and different. And I think that's the beauty of it. And yeah, it's about being able to have like this toolkit so to speak like a, a toolkit of resources and creative processes that you can then say okay um i understand what your needs are now i'm gonna grab this tool i'm gonna grab this resource and i'm gonna show you these things and the whole point is to give agency to the to the person it's not about I've got the solution to your needs. It's about helping them to find out what their own solutions are and to give them a sense of personal sovereignty and, and agency in coming up with their own solutions to their own problems. And that's, I think, a little bit different to someone like um, maybe a doctor or, or someone in that like kind of role of like, here's a medicine, this is going to fix you. It's more like, Here's a here's a little taste of lots of different things. Now you decide what's going to work for you. Right. Yeah. You know? Just give everything a try and see what works best for you. Because sometimes you don't know, and that's yeah. all right. Yeah. If, and that can be actually part of the fun of yeah. going through this kind of process where you just get to experiment and yeah. not worry about 
how good something will look or um, will this work or will this not because that is just more about being in the moment and staying in in the in that process yeah exactly and the like what we said last week is like the play and the discovery you know like coming back to that sense of curiosity is so important because it's like when you've experienced trauma or grief or loss there's so much going on in your body and in your mind it's like sometimes you don't even know what you need you know <laughs> and so through these different processes you can discover you yeah. can discover what you need and that's I think the beauty in, in developing this personal agency and self-sovereignty in learning how to look after yourself you know and that's at least my aim as a as a therapist or as a as a um, holistic counselor is it's about helping them to discover what they need for themselves it's a process of self-inquiry yeah and that's so wonderful because then uh, you know that saying if you give a man a fish he'll eat for a day but if you teach him how to fish he yeah. can you know feed himself for the rest of his life and so that's kind of like what you're doing is that you are empowering people to learn how to help themselves and of course yeah. you're there to provide them with support especially in the first stages of their learning process um, but really over time these are tools that now you have forever once you have learned them yeah. you can use yeah, exactly. them to help yourself yeah that's so beautiful exactly yeah and you know like it's so accessible mm. you know sometimes going to see a psychotherapist is not so accessible for some people or sometimes going to you know going to see some kind of high-end uh like practitioner you know that's not always accessible for some people but making art is yeah. and that's so wonderful you know anyone can practice creativity at any time and I think that's one of the wonderful things about it is um it it transcends cultural boundaries it transcends language it transcends socioeconomic uh demographics and i think that's one of the really powerful things about it as well is it's really accessible to anyone from all walks of life that's an excellent point and you know i that is making me think about how in many of our communities by our now i'm thinking about the different communities that i belong to um like indian community pakistani community muslim community where we're coming from cultures where modalities like um, counseling and therapy they're really foreign concepts and mm. there's actually even so far as they're being introduced um there's still a lot of suspicion and stigma around them uh where people think oh you have to be crazy if you're going to yeah. go see a therapist it must be yeah. because you're crazy um yeah. it's <laughs> so it makes it very difficult uh, for people to reach out for that kind of help even if they want it um mm -hmm. because they're afraid of the stigma of it yeah, but if we can offer them an alternative like art therapy where they can be like oh i'm just going to a class we're going to do some art exactly yeah <laughs> and i think that's all part of it and i think part of where we're heading into the future is 
reducing the stigma surrounding conversations around mental health, for example, I think is a really important one. Um, you know, and I think we see that a lot more with um, some of the negative impacts of like COVID, for example, and all of the social isolation and this kind of like pandemic of mental health issues that are arising out of the result of the pandemic. <laughs> and so I think it's becoming a little bit more mainstream, these conversations surrounding mental health and how important it is and how common it is, you know, and it's like, it's like, it's almost like everyone has something going on in their mental health. Sure. And, and it's so funny because like in our culture, or at least in our Western culture, we're so ready and easy to admit that we might be working on our physical health. Like, you know, it's so like um, easy for us to say, oh yeah, I've just started going to the gym or I've, um, I've just started a new diet or whatever. And that's so yeah. common in our, in our society where we can talk about our physical health, but we don't, we don't talk about what we're doing on our mental health. It's like, yeah. it should be the same. It should be the same. It's like, oh, I'm going to the mental health gym. You know, like I'm going, like I'm going to my weekly creative arts therapy to work on my mental health, you know, and to really bring that into the the rhetoric and the the cultural communication or cultural conversation rather yes. is part of the next step in helping yes. our society to heal as a whole, you know. That is so, so true. I mean, people will talk about even physical health even when there's serious problems like you may have cancer you may have yeah. diabetes you may have different kinds of autoimmune diseases that are yeah. like really serious but no one feels well I, I mean there might be a few exceptions I suppose um, but in general people are okay mm. to talk about yeah there's no, no real shame about this disease or that yeah. disease and and there's no no hesitation in sharing and in fact the expectation is that when you share that you have this disease or that disease a physical disease that people will be supportive that they will show you sympathy mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, especially if it's a serious a thing like mm -hmm. cancer you know the expectation yeah. is that people will be super supportive and do everything yeah. that they can to help you uh, in whatever ways you know um, but you're absolutely right when it comes to mental health we don't want to talk about it we it is shrouded in shame yeah and I think oh. part of the problem also is that even when people are willing to talk about their mental health issues the problem is that most people who are on the receiving end of that information or where the listeners in that situation they don't know how to respond they don't know how to react they don't know how to help the person who's having the mental health issues and so because of that you're like no 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 ignore ignore and just try to you know sort of change the conversation or sort of uh, minimize what you're hearing in some way and just kind of try to move on um, and I know that was yeah. something I had a problem with yeah yeah for sure and I think um I guess that's one of the things is like educating people about like empathy skills and active listening and sometimes it's not our role to help people 
sometimes it's just our role to listen mm. you know i mean it's always our role to just listen you know because it's not unless we've been solicited for advice or help yeah. it's not our place to help anyone mm. because it's yeah unless you're being asked for help it's not our place you know yeah. and so i think that's one of the the best things that you can do for a friend who may be suffering from mental health issues yeah. is to just listen to yeah. just sit and listen and you don't have to say anything you don't have to try and solve their problems you don't have to try and help them because i think a lot of that it comes from our own discomfort when we try to help someone that we see is suffering because you know we may love them and we care about them a lot and we don't like to see our loved ones suffer but what we're actually doing is we're trying to free ourselves of our own our discomfort sorry and so that's not coming from a real place of empathy that's coming from a place of wanting to get rid of our own discomfort to to help to solve their solutions so when we can learn to sit in the discomfort of those conversations and then just listen and it's like yeah we don't have you don't have to do anything you can just be and then you know like and then part of it is like again like how can we empower people to start having these conversations and to start going through these processes of self inquiry you know and how can we we give people a sense of agency in um dealing with their own problems and part of it is is educating that we're responsible you know like we're like i think particularly in the medical paradigm we've we've been educated that it's someone else's responsibility for our well-being it's like oh if i've got something wrong with me this person will help me or this it's this person's job to help me and I personally have a bit of a problem with that because I think that that takes away our own sense of personal responsibility in our in in managing our own well-being. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a really big part of the conversation is teaching people that we're responsible. We we are responsible for um how we feel, how we act, how we think, you know, and then when we can step into that, then we have a sense of ownership of our own lives. and then we can act from a place of empowerment. Yeah. You know? Yes, you raised at least two more really really important points that I would love to highlight and I hope I remember them both. I'm just going to start talking about one. <laughs> um the first thought that came to my mind was when you said, you know, it's not necessarily a place to ever do anything uh, other than listen in terms of uh, being there in a supportive helpful role and it made me think about how a lot of times when our friends are sharing with us about physical disease that they might be struggling with like for example if a friend of mine comes and shares with me that they have cancer i'm just going to focus on listening and listening with empathy and giving them some in a general way kind of uh comfort you know and uh helping them maybe trying to help them by uh saying hey is there anything i can do to help you can i help you with your housework can i bring you something to eat you know so i i would focus on offering those things that i know i can help with, but i would never try yeah. to and also asking permission yeah 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also asking permission to, to yeah. offer help is a really right. good thing. Right. Yeah. Asking for permission, but also just not feeling the pressure of I have to cure their cancer. I would never yeah. take on that responsibility, yeah. you know, because I don't I don't think of that as my job or as my role um, yeah. in, in that moment. Um, mm-hmm. But and so why not think about it similarly in the mental health uh, context when our friends want to have conversations about their mental health? that you know you can just take on that role of being a, a good listener like you said mm-hmm. and not worry about not having the answers or not being able to figure out how to help them in the best way because that doesn't have to be that doesn't have to be your role unless that's your profession and they actually yeah. reach out to you for that purpose exactly. they're soliciting you for your help yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure mm. And do you remember the second point? No, lost it. That's okay. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, it'll come back. Yeah, it's a super interesting conversation. And I think, um, yeah, just like having conversations like this and taking the stigma out of, uh, you know, what is mental health and, 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 you know, understanding that we're all human. You know, and we all suffer from this weird thing that we call the mind, you know, or like we all have this kind of internal dialogue that goes on. And also, like, we all come with an enormous backstory of life and experience, you know, and it's something I often um, that really grounds me and brings me back to a sense of humility is remembering, like, when I think about my life and I think about the complexity and the richness and the nuance and the diversity of experience and the pure amount of experiences that I've had, to remember that every single person has a life like that, you know, like, and that it just, it that for me brings me back to such a sense of humility and connection with like human to human level, yeah. you know, like, and it's just like, yeah, a remembering that it's like the complexity and the richness and the nuance of our lives. Every single body shares that. Every person shares that type of life experience, regardless of where they come from or who they are or what language they speak or, you know, what color their skin is or how much money they have. It's like, it's a kind of universal experience that we have this kaleidoscope inside our minds. <laughs> And learning how to decode that Mm. and learning how to peel back the layers of meaning and uh, representation and mythology and um, sociocultural um, programming, all of that stuff. Learning how we can decode that is part of the creative therapeutic process. Yes. And by going through this process of learning to decode, using creative therapies i think it makes it more fun and more easy yeah yeah love it (laughs) (laughs) any last thoughts uh, right now on um on the subject that we've been talking about i think just um don't be afraid to have these conversations you know i think that's probably one of the big big takeaways from this is like it's okay to talk about what's going on for you yeah 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 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Lilia. And once again, I must stop our conversation, even though I'm having so much fun and I I know, right? (laughs) You'll probably need to come back again. So we'll be talking about these amazing, uh, really important issues. So yeah. I'm so grateful uh, once again Lily, for you taking the time to come and share with us and share so honestly. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm really grateful as well. And I hope that people get something out of these conversations. And yeah, I just I feel really inspired and empowered. And yeah, I'm super grateful. Thank you. And for mm-hmm. our listeners, please make sure you check the show notes um, and because we will be adding Lillian's links um, so you can contact her and get in touch with her. And um, I'll add my links in case you want to get in touch with me. So just reach out for help and we'll be so happy to connect with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.